Alex Magleby here, CEO and co-founder of the New England Free Jacks, and you're watching the Jacks Rangers show. Huzzah, friends! Let's ride! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I'm up here at the Granite Outpost in beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire, hunkered down for the offseason. Unfortunately, the Free Jacks crashed out of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals to our arch rivals, the New Jersey Dirtpeckers. The unimaginable has happened. The Free Jacks lose to their arch rival and to the dismay of all the Rangers, Continentals, and Free Jacks fans out there. But stay strong, Rangers. We got a long offseason ahead of us in this episode. We're going to hear from assistant coach Mike Rogers. We've got Bozo 06, Rapid Reactions and Picks, and Outriders. And we will start everything off here with a little promo for our friends over at Stormalong, American Hard Cider. Respect the apple is their motto, and their ciders are always made with 100% high-quality, fresh-pressed, locally-sourced apples from orchards across New England. Find Stormalong Hard Cider in stores, bars, and restaurants across New England. Check out their locator on their website, stormalong.com, to find Find locations near you. Use promo code TJRS for 10% off your first online order at their website, stormalong.com. Get their cider delivered right to your door or check out their locator to find locations where you can find Stormalong near you. All right. So once again, the lineup as follows is we'll have assistant coach Mike Rogers, who we recorded last Thursday prior to the game against New Jersey. Then we'll have Bozo Six Rapid Reactions and Pick. And finally, Outriders with Dave and myself breaking down the New Jersey game as difficult as it was to do that. I want to say thank you again for riding with us all season long, Rangers. We appreciate you out there. Let's get right into the episode. Huzzah, baby. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I'm joined as always with my buddy, David McVeigh. We have a very special guest this time around. He is the assistant coach to the Free Jacks, Mike Rogers. Mike, how the hell are you? Man, I'm bloody good, actually. Scotty and I managed to weasel our way into the U.S. Uh, Open today, so we spent um, uh, the full day down at the country club, and it was a pretty epic experience. Um, it's certainly very fortunate to be here in Boston with all the uh, the cool sporting events that I've been able to partake in this year. Absolutely. You're wearing a Bruin shirt right now. It looks very good on you. Yeah, well, funny thing is, I think I was the only person at the country club today who wasn't dressed to play golf. I was wearing my jandals, my shorts, my vitamin C uh, hat. Very good. And um, yeah, I was certainly, I certainly stood out from the crowd because everybody else was in uh, long pants, a tucked in polo shirt and a belt, and they were ready to hit the uh, hit the course after they uh, partook in the uh, in the festivities there. Very good. Um, let's talk about, you know, I know that you've been on the show before, but for the Rangers out there that may have missed your previous appearance on the show, give us a rundown of your personal and rugby background, please. Cool. So um, obviously my name is Mike Rogers. I'm a New Zealander, which would be obvious in terms of my accent. Um, yeah, I've been with the Free Jacks just this, just this season. So I've been here since uh, January. Uh, prior to that, um, yeah, coach rugby for about 10 years, uh, the last five or six at a professional level with Bayakini and Mighty 10 Cup and uh, a few other bits and pieces along the way. And um, mate, really fortunate to be here uh, on a personal level. Um, have three children. Uh, they are in New Zealand at the moment with my ex-wife. Uh, their names are Carter, who's 16, Millie, 14, and Frankie, who's nine. Uh, managed to have the older two kids over here for a couple of weeks, which is pretty awesome We um, managed to get along to a Red Sox game and, and we played down in New York at that time although they didn't really enjoy New York um, <laughs> certainly a, 
bit of a culture shock compared to where we live in New Zealand. There's a right. bit of a sleepy sort of beachside place. Um, yeah, mate. So yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. I have my my partner back in New Zealand, Nikki, and um, she'll be coming out here next season. So very good. I'm really looking really looking forward to that. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I can't blame the kids for not liking New York. I hate it too. So you know, it is what it is. Uh, a lot of people around these parts would say that they don't like <laughs> New York and New York City specifically. Uh, it's a bit too big, I think, for most folks. Um, this is your first year in, the, year in the league, as you were saying. What has been your impressions of MLR overall? I mean, it's been really fascinating. So prior to coming here, I watched the last five rounds of last year's competition. Uh, obviously, all the Free Jacks games over that period, and picked one one or two other games to watch over that time. And I actually thought that the standard, aside from the Giltinis, who were obviously flying at that point, uh, was pretty average. It was mm-hmm. a real shock to me when, you know, kind of got here and we played a first couple of games and it was really physical and the level was a lot higher than what I'd seen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because of two things now after a bit of time to reflect on that. So I think uh, once you get deep into the season, teams definitely struggle with injury. And I think the quality kind of drops a little bit heading in into the, like, you know, into the playoffs, you mm-hmm. know, that four or five rounds prior to playoffs, I think you know, teams might have anything up to 10 players injured, which is a massive, um, uh, has a massive impact. And I think the second thing is this year, there's been a noticeable shift in terms of teams that maybe weren't at the top of the tree last year, you know, maybe recruiting some new players or recruiting new coaching staff or making big steps up on where they've been in the past. And I think we've seen a massive lift in terms of the um, the quality of the rugby that's been played and also the understanding of the players around you know, the way that their team wants to play the game, and um, you know, which is awesome because every team's a little bit different over here, which is quite different to New Zealand where everybody's playing a very similar game model. So, mm-hmm. mate, I've been really impressed with the level and I think, you know, talking to the Kiwi boys in particular that we have here, their take on it is, is that it's not that far off my team cup it's just as physical, potentially even more physical. I think that comes a little bit to do with maybe the skill level is not quite as, as high yet. Mm-hmm. So we end up with a lot more collisions and stuff. Um, but mate, I've thoroughly enjoyed I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, it's um I think it's gonna keep continue to come on in leaps and bounds. Very good. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I feel like it, you know, just watching the games, you can definitely tell that from year one to year five, it's it's gotten so much better on the pitch there. Uh, let's talk about your overall impressions of the United States of America. I know that you've been able to travel around, you know, as the team goes, you guys go and you've been able to, in your off time, travel around a little bit. So talk to us about, you know, what's your impressions of the old USA? Right, this is a really, this is a really good question. And a lot of my friends back home have asked me this. Um, Probably if we start with Boston, I think uh, there's no doubt about it in my mind that you earn your summers here. I've never experienced cold like I did in Boston when I arrived in January. I don't know what, I still can't figure out the Fahrenheit thing, but in Celsius, day three here for me was minus 17. I think on day four, I caught COVID. So it was a real uh, hell of a welcome to Boston um, in terms of weather and stuff like that. But um, I think the fascinating thing around Boston is I think the people are really similar to the weather. And that they take a little bit of time to warm up. Yes. And once I've warmed up to you, the people are awesome. But it's very, um, what's the word for it? It's it's quite hard to start with. You know, in New Zealand, it's probably the opposite where everyone's friendly and chatty and um, by and large, you know. And whereas mm-hmm. here, I think the first couple of interactions you have with someone, they're really just trying to figure out whether they want to invest any time into into the relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's great, man. Like, the people that I have met and got to know are fantastic human beings. And um, 
I think, yeah, I think the weather's got something to do with the, <laughs> the nature of people. And I really enjoyed um, Steve Kerr's quote uh, last week when he talked about the, um, the Celtics fans and he said they were classy. And obviously he was being sarcastic and, and um, mate, I love that about our fans and I love it about the, the sporting fans here in Boston. Those man, she's full on and, and they certainly know how to support their team. So uh, that's been really cool. Um, in terms of the rest of the US, um, it's kind of similar to the league, really. I guess wherever you go, it's really different. Mm-hmm. Like there's not really one place that's the same as the next that I've experienced. So uh, we've traveled to LA Um I've been there before, so I kind of know what it, what it was about. But it's um, you know, it's a uh, a pretty awesome sort of sunny uh, city, but feels a little bit, I guess, soulless in, in my opinion. You know, like <laughs> yeah, can't really get a grasp of what the place stands for. It just feels a little bit, I don't know, fake. I'm probably yes. going to get a lot of haters after this. But it's anyway. Hollywood, not yeah. in Boston. Everybody no. will be <laughs> applauding yeah. that absolutely. That take, I think. Um, mate, we went to New Orleans, and I think that place is um, actually really mind-blowing. Like, mm-hmm. that is it, it is actually crazy. Like, I've been to Vegas before, but New Orleans is another level of the twilight zone. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's got it's a massive contradiction in terms of the, the place. Like, it's so much fun, but it's got a little bit of an undercurrent there. And then you've got the French flavor, which is really awesome. And, mm-hmm. like, we spent three days there, and I was kind of still left feeling like, I'd been owned by the place and um, <laughs> and couldn't hadn't, hadn't still really figured out what it was all about. Yeah, like a great place to visit. I'm not I'm not sure if I'd like to live there. Like I think it would probably burn you out. I don't know. It's it's pretty full on. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously New York, and I actually think even though um, people from from here love to hate New York, I'm not a fan of New York. But I actually think uh, Hoboken, aside from the rugby field. Is um is actually quite a nice place. Like in terms of where you'd want to live, and New York is probably around there. Like it's pretty low key compared to the rest of it. Um, we don't really need to probably talk too much around the the location uh, where the where the boys play there. But I think it's like I can see why they enjoy living there. Like it's um got a little bit of something about it, and it's still a got a little bit of a small city feel when you're in the middle of this mm-hmm. vast metropolis. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed DC, like the history and all that stuff there is really cool, man. Scotty and I spent a bit of time on Lime Scooters cruising around the um, the city there, and it's awesome to see all that stuff. And I never really appreciated how close it is altogether. Like, you don't get a grasp of that off um, movies like Independence Day and stuff. You don't really right. appreciate that it's all uh, all in one spot. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed Austin. Um, the time of the year that we were there, the climate was awesome. It was like 23 24 degrees celsius and it's quite a funky little city and they've actually got quite a nice setup out there and in terms of the rugby stuff and um a little bit out of town but yeah i can see that i'd imagine that it'll be a nightmare in the summer with the uh, weather but the the people were um actually really friendly down there and that that was pretty cool and i think the other one we've done is um toronto oh okay um which I, I like this is how you know news we're, we're pretty naive in New Zealand they like I never realized that Canada had a city like that like that place is massive yeah yeah um that's phenomenal you know like it's five times Auckland kind of kind of thing you know and it was actually really hard to get around but in the city itself I thought it would had a real nice feel to it so mate the diversity in terms of the places that we've traveled to and the people that we've met it couldn't be any more different. Like everyone's, every place is different. And I think that the MLR reflects that in terms of the way that the, um, 
way that the teams want to play the game. So, man, I, man, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, it's a hell of an adventure. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been really cool. Absolutely. You know, I'm from the South, and when I moved up here, I felt like I was in a different country. It's it, it, it's true. The United States is just so vast, and there's so many different, like, pockets of different cultures and stuff like that. So, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, going to Toronto. I didn't realize how big it was either. I was shocked when I saw it when we were, you know, about to land. You're just looking at it like, holy shit, this is a big-ass city, and I had no idea. Um, let's talk about, uh, you know, let's move over to the rugby part of this. The Jacks have had, you know, a record-breaking magical season so far. How, as coaches, have you and Scotty kept this team grounded with their eyes on the prize of ultimately, you know, trying to win the Shield? I mean, I don't – ultimately, we want to win the Shield. There's no doubt about that. But I think mm-hmm. we all have to be really careful around where our real ambition lies. And, and I'd love to win this year, and I'm a competitive person, and, and that would be really cool. But where our real ambition lies is over a period of three years, we want to set up a sustainable rugby club that is going to be in the playoffs every year. You know, And there are many examples of this in rugby and other sports all around the world where there are teams that just always, they're always there or thereabouts. They don't win every year because that's virtually impossible, but they're always contenders. And that, and that was the purpose that, that Scott and I had when we came here was that, you know, that's the vision. That's what we our understanding of what we're wanting to achieve is. And we've made decisions around recruitment and retention that reflect that. And I think it just so happened that when we, we started making those decisions and enabled us to build a more cohesive team. And that meant that we just won a, a, quite a few games in the middle of the season that were really close. that could have gone either way, mm-hmm. but we're also realists in that we know that, hey, we could have dropped four or five of those games, potentially missed out on the playoffs altogether or or finished third rather than first and broke a whole bunch of records along the way. So I think we have to be, whilst we're really proud of our record this year, we have to be realistic around where we're at. And mm-hmm. where we're at at the moment is we're competitive, we've been winning, but the, the margins have been really small and we've managed to find ways to win games, which is awesome. And that's a credit to the players. They like they're the ones out there doing it. They're finding solutions along the way and they managed to sneak a couple of late victories and hold a couple of teams off that were finishing really strong and, and we come away and it's probably really entertaining for the crowd, but it's not so much entertaining for Scott and I in the coach's box, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> but I think that's been the, the key to it is actually building a really good culture here and getting people to understand that this is a long-term project, not a short-term one. Mm-hmm. And it means for our... Now we're hoping to retain 80% of our squad next year that's it great. means that for the players that we've been able to come up to a lot of players early around, hey, we want to keep you on and we've managed to now contract negotiations in season, which just gives those guys a real sense of, I guess, cohesion and, and purpose around, hey, man, this is not, this, my time here is not going to be defined by what we achieved this year. Okay. Um, and like, there is no guarantee that we're going to win. We'd love to and, and we'll do everything that we we can. But at the same time, we've got an eye on a long-term project, which is, I reckon that is just so invigorating and, and so motivating both for the players, the club and our fans. Like to, to know that we're not just thinking of the now, it's actually about a long-term vision. We want to bring more players through that are from uh, New England. We want to you know, create further links in our community. We want to build our fan base and, and audience. And all of that's like a bit of a slow burn and yeah, if we win a, win a championship in the meantime, that would be fantastic. But it won't take our eye off the prize. The, eye, the prize is we want to be sustainable. 
we want to do things our way, which is the right way, and then we want to also be connected to our community. So, mate, I think that's the that's the thing that gets me out of bed every day is knowing that we're building something over the next three, four, five years versus hey, let's turn up tomorrow and have a really good training because we've got a shot at winning a title. Like that's that's awesome too. But the big one is really around the long term vision, and I think the, our people are starting to understand that now. And I've seen that there's been a bit of bit of a shift, but um. Mate, there's, there's, in this business, there's no guarantees, eh? So, um, mate, all that, all that we can ask, and it's something that we're really grateful for every week, is we thank our players for their efforts, and mate, they're the ones out there doing the business, eh? So, yeah. Um, and and you know, virtually every game this year, they've given a really good account of themselves and to their efforts. So I think that's a credit to, you know, each other and in terms of the players and and also the also the culture and the long term view. Listen, Mike, I'm, I'm really glad that you said it the way that you did. I think it's the perfect explanation of how, you know, we, we all get called up and we get swept up in the idea of this team, like winning the shield because we've had the best overall record and all that sort of stuff. But we really need to keep our eyes further down the road as well um, and, and make sure that we understand that ultimately what we want uh, as fans is a team that, you know, can consistently get to the playoffs every single year as, as you're talking about, because that is true success. I mean, if you, if you go deep in the playoffs one year and then you don't make it for three years, like what the hell's the point? Like you want to yeah. build this thing up and, and keep it going. I've got one more question for, I'm going to let Dave take over, but the most recent memory of the, that the Rangers have of New Jersey is that the dirt Packers handed new England, their first loss ever at Fort Quincy. So this, this will not come out until next Tuesday. So it'll be after this game takes place. How will new England win this game? in your opinion? Um, mate, I, first of all, give credit to New Jersey or New York, whatever we want to call them. <laughs> I always, I find that quite humorous. But aside from that, um, they are a really good, they are a really good team. And, and they're, sure. you know, they're, I think they've made a conference final two or three years in a row now. And, mm-hmm. and that gives, you know, that they're on the kind of same path, maybe doing things slightly differently, but they want to be a team that's in the playoffs every year as well. So that, that's cool. Yeah. Um, in terms of how we'll go about beating them, really not a lot changes for us. Eh? So I think we have the players in the game model to be really, really competitive with them. And it then comes down to effectively who who takes the opportunities that they have. Like we were really disappointed with our last effort when we played them and primarily because we didn't handle their rolling mall. Um, now they scored three tries virtually from malls. I think we've it would have been 10, 10 combined 10 games, three more tries prior to that, you know, like we've been really good in terms of our more defence and they just took us apart in that area and I, found, I actually found personally, I found that a little bit embarrassing, so came away smarting from that, so we've done a heap of work around that area to uh, hopefully enable us to deal with, to deal with their more situation and, and I think one, one thing that was really been evident in terms of how they've played over the last two games is I've kicked the ball a lot more, so They've always been the team that wins the possession uh, battle. They sit normally around 60% possession and sit slightly under on territory. They might only be a 45% territory team. And what they've done in the last two games is that they've kicked heaps more. They've had way less possession than the opposition, but they've controlled the territory battle, which is actually really important when you get into finals rugby because it becomes a bit of a pressure cooker. So um, we really need to resist the urge to to run too much when they kick us the ball. I think we've got two or three phases to have a crack and then we need to go back to kicking game as well, which will probably turn it into a bit of an arm wrestle. But out of the out of that will come heaps of uh, counter-attacking opportunities if people don't execute their kicking game well enough or maybe they chance around a little bit when, they, when 
maybe it isn't on. So, mate, to be honest, for us, we just need to do us really well. Like, I don't think uh, I think we're all kidding ourselves as coaches if we think that hey, we can come up with a special play that means that we're going to score a try, and that's going to be the difference. The difference will be for ninety percent of the game, we need to execute what we're supposed to be doing. Ten percent of the time, we we'll probably make a few mistakes, and um, if, if New York is only executing at 80% of the time, that's probably going to be enough to to get us over the line. So I wouldn't expect any fancy plays, mate, that's for sure. All right. I appreciate that. So let's jump over to Dave. Dave, take it away, my friend. Awesome. Thank you, Phil. You're welcome. Um, Mike, we'll stick with a couple couple rugby-related questions, and then we'll get – I like the goofy stuff, so then we'll get a little goofy, we'll get weird, <laughs> uh, and then we'll, we'll bounce it back to Phil. So um, this Eastern Conference final coming up – is our fourth meeting with New York this season. And each one has been, I, I, in my view as a fan, a higher level of intensity, you know, the rivalry really heating up. Um, as a leader on the team, as a coach, how do you handle that, uh, that psychological battle, that mental battle with the players? How do you stoke the fire that really is going to give them a lot of punch on match day and also keep the team disciplined at the same time, because those are the matches that can really get, you know, a little dicey. Do you have any advice for all those club coaches out there? Got their rivalry match coming up that week? Um, uh, there's probably a couple of points to make on this answer. The first answer is, the first point is, in order to create consistent performance and really play for each other, you need to care immensely about each other. And I know this sounds a little bit new age, but I firmly believe that. And um, you know, we've invested a whole heap of time in, it in terms of our environment this year around making sure that we look after one another. There's been plenty of opportunities that people may have seen externally where we've done things that maybe people didn't expect that a professional sports team would do and stuff like that. But it's it's all built on care and it's around you know, being respectful for where people come from, what stage of their life they're at, and basically supporting each other through that. So I think that's the number one thing. Eh? And and I know that probably sounds a bit funny because it's hard to see how that necessarily uh, trans transfers over to the field. But when you're in tight games, it transfers over because you've actually got to work for each other and 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 find solutions and, and get along with each other really well. So that's probably the, f the first part. Um, mate, in terms of the edge stuff around it being New York, I don't actually think we need to play that card too much because the players understand it. And probably the best anecdote for that for me was um, I was walking across, uh, I call it Kunzi Common. I know it's not called that, but that's, that's what I call it. You know, I was walking across there. It was the week before we played New York the first time that it was absolutely covered in snow. And the caretaker comes up to me. And I walk past him every morning and he always yells out, Go Jacks, which is pretty cool. And he comes up to me and he said, Oh, um, coach, it's uh, New York this week, isn't it? And I said, Yeah, mate, it's New York. And he looked me in the eye with a steely look and he said, You must fucking win. That's that's fantastic. Extremely New England. Yeah, and that just summed it up. So I told the boys that story. They understand, and you can feel it. Like, you know, when we've travelled down to um, to New Jersey, our supporters have been really vocal on the sideline. You can feel, you know, the energy in the stadium in the last game, even though it wasn't the biggest crowd of the season, the energy was probably the highest. Uh, the lack of energy when we came out after the team meeting and everybody had gone home was a nice little reminder to the players that, hey, whilst you know everyone's still proud of us, whether we win or lose, when it's New York, um, 
the fact that everybody had already gone home 10 minutes after the game gives you a pretty clear indication of what the fans think. So, man, I don't, I don't think we need to... I think they'll be motivated enough around that stuff. Yeah. Uh, love it. Uh, part of our the team's success this season has been the player depth. You've had a lot of guys, you know, in the second rank ready to step up as soon as they're called on and put in some really good performances. Uh, the flip side of that, though, is that when everybody is healthy, you have kind of an embarrassment of riches and a lot of strong contenders. Um, so what advice can you offer coaches in that situation who are drawing up their own roster sheets, you know, and planning matches for the weekends? Is it a game plan first and then who fits that and works the system best? Uh, and again, speaking generally, you know, uh, or is it matchups with the team that week? You know, this particular skill set, this guy's gonna, he's got the speed to neutralize that player and we want to play him. How, how, how's a What's a good way for coaches to think about solving that problem of, you know, too many quality players to fit into the roster? Um, I think the, the first part of this is we need to create the problem in the first place. Um, it's, it's easy not to have that problem, but it means that we just haven't done our job very well. So, you know, we spent the first part of the season making sure that everybody was given an opportunity, even though we, we want to win every game, we've got to give everybody an opportunity there was a fair bit of baggage from some players around. They hadn't been given much of an opportunity in the past. And they and it, probably a bit of a lack of trust with, you know, in terms of new coaches coming in. Was this going to be new or was it going to be the same? And we really sold the message that just be patient and, a, and an opportunity is on its way. So, and, and so we gave everybody a shot. The second part is once you give someone a shot and they perform well. So Cam Davidovitz played really well against uh, Nola and DC. And then... He's just about played every game since that. Um, and so, you know, we, we have to enable that creation of the problem. The next part of it is, is I don't, I'm not a huge believer in changing the team for change's sake because the more we play together, the more cohesion we create and you know, the combinations uh, start going really well. And um, I think that's where a lot of the magic happens in, in team sport and rugby in particular is by creating a highly cohesive unit. Um, but then we get the issue of oh, guys are playing too much and now they're increasing risk of injury. So then we've got to do some rotation. So you've got to be really strategic around that. So I guess the answer to, to you know, aspiring coaches out there is invest in your depth because it's the thing that's going to get you through. Every team goes through an injury crisis. I think we had eight domestic players injured at, at one point in time. And that meant that you know guys got to play and they actually performed really well, which is, which is awesome. Um, but you've got to invest in that. And then once you've kind of set, relatively set on who your best players are, you've got to play them and enable them to build cohesion and then do a little bit of rotation effectively to um, ensure that they don't get injured. And probably one guy I want to give a real shout out to is um, Justin Johnson, JJ. He's he's had a season where he hasn't been able to play, been, been able to play much. He trains the house down every single week. He's been patient, waiting for an opportunity. He, he's um, not on the roster again this week, which I know is probably heartbreaking for him, but it hasn't changed his attitude towards the game, which is a, a real credit to him as a as a man. Like That's that's really awesome. And it, and it really breaks me that he hasn't been given more of an opportunity, but the reality is Cam took every opportunity. And so how yeah. can we not play Cam because we want to play JJ? Um, you know, like Cam's been outstanding. You know, his last game, I think he was probably our best player. So... And that's a great story in itself. So, mate, that's the thing is, as long as we're speaking honestly and openly to our 
to our athletes then um, hopefully they can understand a little bit more that it's not a personal thing and, and we just talk through it. That's a great answer and I think it's probably really helpful to coaches out there. Um, I love that you talked up JJ because my next question is every coach I know loves to talk up the boys. The pack has been really outstanding this season, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, who you've mentioned JJ already, who are you proud of? Who's a work workhorse that fans might've missed out on. I'm always giving Eric a shout out when he plays those deep matches, you know, the tight head going 70 minutes is wild. Uh, who's made big improvements, you know, who, give some shout outs. Oh man, I think the two, the two boys who kind of stand out most for me, are, uh, the Eagle, Carl Sakura and Cam, those guys have been phenomenal this year. And, um, you know, they probably hadn't had much of an opportunity for regular starts and stuff like that and not a lot of game time historically and they've taken every opportunity, which is awesome because they're good local boys and, and they've got a bit of a cult following, eh? So <laughs> I'm, I'm exceptionally proud of those boys. And then and there's been plenty of adversity for a lot of other guys in our team as well, you know, so we all know about the Terrell Pater story and the fact that he's back here and he's playing really good rugby is a massive credit to him as a person and, Probably the other one is Joe Johnston, who's probably found it a little bit more difficult this year being behind Slade, and Slade's been an outstanding performer. Um, but again, Joe's, you know, he's a, he's an awesome person, and he just continued working on his game in the background, getting 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. An opportunity comes up, and he's been outstanding in the last, um, you know, two or three games. So, mate, uh, there's heaps of guys in the forwards, and, mate, it's... Um, been a real pleasure to coach them and I don't foresee there being too many changes to our to our pack next year like we should really be giving them them all a shout out they're um all bloody good guys I love to hear it I'm a I'm a big believer in the pack and I, I'm very excited to, to, uh, at the idea of most of them returning next season because I think their performance as a unit um has really been excellent and a lot of fun to watch uh now the fun stuff uh, you said recently uh, in the coach's corner, I think you called vitamin C your personal sponsor. <laughs> you mentioned your hat earlier. Tell us about the visit. You know, how did that hat come about and any other great spots you found favorite New England beers? <laughs> did you get a grip on those New England IPAs? Oh, man, I was a, I'm a big um, New England IPA fan before I got here. In New Zealand, we call it a hazy IPA. Um, and... Um, Mate, I was drinking a lot of that beer style before I got here. So I think I've put on about eight kilos now, which I put all down to the IPAs. So my partner, Nikki, she's already told, I've been informed of the diet that I'm going on when I get home. There's two trains of thought around that. One is tidy up my diet and stop drinking beers now. I've only got a couple more weeks before I get home. So I've decided that I'll just go boots and all for another couple of weeks and then deal with the damage when I get home. Um, mate, in terms of vitamin C, we... we uh, Went along there for a little bit of an engagement thing a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know the the uh, the staff there and people behind the business are like the awesome people and you know, hosted us really really well. And then uh, we managed to get along there again uh, last weekend, and again we managed to um, enjoy the um, enjoy the beers and and um, a hell of a good time. So whilst they're not my personal sponsor, I. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of making a bit of a suggestion that maybe they'd, they'd like to be. So there's another shout out to vitamin yeah. C. So they're, mate, they're, they're surely they're going to get on board. You never know when a case will just turn up at your door. They've got a, a couple weeks left. Uh, 
Awesome. Great talking to you, Mike. I know Phil probably has a couple uh, things to round us up. This has been really fun and can't wait to see you this weekend at Veterans Memorial Stadium. Good, man. Thanks, Dave. Really appreciate your work, mate. All righty. Um, so before we get out of here, Mike, I just wanted to – I know you've been in the country for a while now, so I want you to give us your best Boston or a general American accent. What you got for us? Mate, we've done this before, and it was really shit last time. <laughs> I um, mean, but now you've had practice, right? You've heard us uh, talk uh, consistently. So, uh, okay, I'll you make you a deal, though. I'll yeah. give you my best box Boston accent after you've given me your best New Zealand accent. Oh, shit. Ooh, um, that's heavy. Can <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I head down to the uh, beach, uh, get a quick uh, swim in? Dan Carter. Carter. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it's not bad. Um, right. It's the best I've got. Uh, I want. Oh, how am I going to do this? There's a guy that I don't know his name. Actually, we need to find out. But whenever we're doing our warm up before the games, he always stands behind uh, the posts and he's yelling out to us. And it goes something like this: "Hey, coach, coach, hey, coach, just make sure you fuck them up out there today, okay, coach?" <laughs> Isn't that Wes? Is that is Wes, it the dude? really big guy? The really guy who looks guy. like he'd be a real yeah. good rugby that's, player. That's, that's my that's yeah. my good friend Wes. <laughs> Who listens uh, to this show? So he's going to really enjoy that. That's I don't know awesome. if I've done him justice. It's probably ten times better than that, but it's actually epic. That's pretty That's good. Fantastic. Wes oh. is a very skilled football coach, so Friend he enjoys coming to rugby, yep. where he can, you know, get out of coach mode and do a lot of yelling. So <laughs> that's awesome. All right, we got two minutes left here, so I'm just going to point this out. This is the Storm Along one-word association here. First one um, here is going to be New Zealand. Um, a lot warmer than Boston. I know that's a lot. I'll just say warm. All right. And the next one is Boston. Fanatical. I agree. Fort Quincy. Speaking of fanatical, Fort Quincy. Hostile. <laughs> Hell yeah. The next one is your buddy Scott Matthew. <laughs> Passionate. <laughs> All right. Final one is Free Jacks. Huzzah. All right. That's actually, you know, we're going to say that before we get out of here. So you were just warming up. All right. I've got that in three, <laughs> two, one. Huzzah. 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 Woo. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I'm joined with my boy Bozo6. Bozo, how the hell are you? I'm absolutely gutted, man. <laughs> yep, me too. I had a good time, though. I had a good time with my family. Uh, I got to bring my, my daughter and my wife. It was their first ever pro rugby match to go to. We stayed over there in the Lantern Suites. It was a great experience. We can talk about that another yeah. time. Yep. Um, so I had a great match day experience. Thank you, Free Jacks, all season long, uh, no matter where I was at. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm just gutted with the result, man. Uh, same here, man. It, it was a great season, obviously, but right now we're just, you know, we're, we're angry at the result and, and sad with the result. So and Scott Ferrara is dancing on our graves. Uh, it is what it is. Dance away, know? Scott. Yeah. I burn, mean, burn the grass it, over there. Just click those heels together, man. Dance yeah. away. Um, he was very nice and, and, you know, messaged me privately and said, uh, you know, you know basically like you know see you next year in, in hoboken or whatever so i was like yeah you know congrats he's a class act yeah, so like, oh absolutely one thousand percent the best but uh let's talk about uh the other results that took place or that one other result if i can I, it, it's yeah, almost it's like I, I yeah i know right uh, there's not too many games left 
Okay, so uh, the Western Conference Final was June the 18th at 7 p.m. That was uh, Houston Sabercats at home against the Seattle Seawolves. That home field advantage did not matter, uh, no. as we've seen here. Um, Houston losing 27-46 to 46 to a surging Seattle Seawolves team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, clearly I called this one. I said you got to pick on form, and that Seattle was really red hot. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that they were going to probably slash them open pretty bad. And, and they did. Um, it's kind of odd that it was very similar to the last game they played uh, where Houston was never really close. Only mm -hmm. Seattle did, I would say, just slightly better offensively and defensively this game. They just turned it up a little bit on them. Yep. Um, yeah, I heard it was uh, really horrendous conditions. I thought it was like, I mean, beautiful, beautiful day out, like not rainy, but like just really, really hot. Yeah, it and felt it was like really 106 degrees. It was a school yeah. trip down there in Houston. Yeah, I mean, well, it's Texas, and and I guess the summer. I guess it was the last day of spring, but does Texas have spring? I don't know. I'm not a Texan, probably no. not. Nope. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not surprised. Uh, Seattle's super hot, man. They're they're playing some great rugby right now, especially in attack. And you know their defense is bending and not breaking. I mean, when you put up 46, you can give away 27, and you're still really right. you're well and clear of them. So it's like, who cares? You know. They could have given up 35. Doesn't matter. Still cruising. Yeah, I figured that Seattle would win this one. Um, feel bad for Houston. But, again, I think their fans can feel satisfied with the season considering where they've been in the past. Just making the playoffs is a huge accomplishment for that Houston team. I expect yeah. them to build on that next year. I guess we're going to have to talk about what took place, uh, obviously, in the Eastern Conference Final on June the 19th. Uh, both of us predicting our New England Free Jacks to win that game. Uh, New England Free Jacks 16, Rugby New Jersey 24 there at Fort Quincy. Um, I'll just let you go ahead. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, I'm just I'm not going to let you, you – know, I'm not going to interrupt you. I just want you to go ahead and just fire off whatever you got to say, man. Yeah, so that early try, I, I was, like, very happy with that. Obviously, I was like, hey, you know, because um, tries were hard to come by the week before against New York, very hard to come by. And so I was very impressed with our start. Um, then, you, you know, close at halftime, you know, we were only up by three and then, you know, we extended our lead and we were, you know, it was 16 points, I think to, to 13 yep. and, we were, and we were doing well or 16 points to 10 rather. Uh, I think it was 16 to 10. Um, yeah, because they scored a try and then they converted it and they were up by one. Okay. Um, so, you know, I was, I was hopeful and, you know, then just, I don't want to listen. I don't want to blame the ref, but I'm going to go in. Okay. And this is, and let's just start with this, that this is league wide. This is a problem. Okay. This league has is struggling on the international scale. You know, when, when the guardian of the UK, one of the main rugby and sport papers in England is writing about the debacle of the guild teams getting kicked out of the league pretty, or not kicked out of the league, but kicked out of the playoffs and, and stuff like that, you know, this is Bush league refereeing, man. It was a really, it was like a super rugby weekend, the super rugby final, the premiership final, you know, they didn't, they're not plagued by, by crap like this. Um, I didn't, I need to go back and I need to, to be honest and to do my diligence. I probably should have done this before the segment, but I, I just didn't have time. Uh, I should watch the game so I could see what, um, you know, what O'Gorman got yellow carded for, but you know, absolutely horrendous to, to not use the TMO. I mean, Mitch got taken out in the air, not yep. even a review. They didn't even look at it, but this is the same league that noticed on film after the match that Dougie Fife stepped on a guy and banned him for three weeks. This is the same league that in full speed time, when Slade McDowell makes a tackle on a guy, it's head to head contact. 
it was, I believe, a yellow in the match upgraded to red with suspension post, which it should have been because that's the letter of the law. Um, no mitigating factors, right? And so you can't, you can't on one hand take it so seriously and then in an Eastern Conference final not do those things. You know, it's embarrassing. It is absolutely disgusting. It's mm-hmm. a joke. We're the laughing stock of the rugby world. The Rugby World Cup is coming here. It is a joke. A professional player throws a pass at the five-meter line. The, the runner catches it at the three-meter line. Phil, I'm no mathematician, but I believe that's a full six feet. That's me, a body length forward. Nothing from the sideline judge. I rewatched it a million times because TRN bozos put it up and they're like, look at this try. I'd be like, dude, I would be burying that as far. I would never bring that try up again. Now, that was their first try. Anything could have happened after that. We still had many chances to win the game and right. we did not. Um, so I'll just leave my negativity at that. The lack of the TMO and the lack of looking into anything uh, against New York was just absolutely appalling to me. You could have seen, they could have seen a yellow card for Mitch. They didn't really deserve that first try. It was a forward pass. And then the just not even looking into Waka. What are the assistant referees for, guys? Get right. on the horn and talk to the man in the middle. And then that guy and Selmy, get rid of him. Fight, you fired, you fired. You are terrible. I'm at a party. Who's Scott Green? Need me some Scott Green. If you get the reference, you're the you're awesome. Go Dune Rats. If you know, you know. But right. I need me some Scott Green right now because no other referee has shown to be quality. Actually, um, blanking her name. She's awesome. She's ah, uh, what's her name? It's like one of the only female refs that, in the league, and she's like going international. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember her name. Uh, you're not talking about um, the assistant referee and the TMO. Um, Amelia, you're talking about the other lady. The uh, other one. Right. Yep. She has blonde hair. Karen? This is embarrassing. I'm, I'm so sorry for you. If you ever hear this, I'm so sorry that I couldn't remember who you were. That's ridiculous. She doesn't listen. Let's just, let's just go I know, ahead but, and say that. But that's ridiculous listen. of me. I should know if I should bring it up. But oh, either you. way, you know, so that's the end of my negativity talk. Mm-hmm. On to focusing on ourselves. Um, listen, Dave's key to the game, right? Scramble. And in the transition, we had, I think, at no, no less than like, I think it was at least four breakouts, two from Milan and two from Vanderbank. And we just didn't do anything with them. Yeah. You know, we, New York was under tremendous pressure and we just got stuffed. I think that ultimately, and, and I hate to say this, but they out physicaled us. They bullied us. They mm-hmm. pushed us around that pitch. The only one really getting go forward was Jesse Peretti, just because the man is like a brick shit house. Yep. And he's very hard. And him and, uh, and Vion, but they really started to target them late in the match. And th- those double tackles were coming in. Right. And they were stuffing those guys too. Uh, it, you know, Jesse at the beginning was, <laughs> he was everywhere, man. It was pretty cool. I was commenting up in the, up in the Swedes. I'm like, dude, that guy is just a man. Um, but yeah, and, th- and then they started to shut that down. They adjusted and, and credit to them. So on that note, I would just like to say, I think that New York absolutely deserved to win the match. They played what's in front of them and they played really well. Uh, two matches on the road against two of the best teams in the league and they're 2-0. and um, And so they deserve to be, a, it, they deserve their place in the final. They deserve to shed their moniker of at least, we can still call them the Dirt Peckers, uh, but the semifinalists no more. Yep. They are finalists. So we, maybe well, we can just upgrade to the second place. <laughs> okay the second uh, placers maybe? yeah we could let's just go ahead and say that we'll retire the semi-finalist moniker right here and now that one is buried and gone you know yes. uh, 
you know, we can say a lot of things about the refereeing during the game and all this other stuff, but they came in and beat the Free Jacks. And I'm going to talk about played. it more in the, the Outrider segment, obviously. I, I just wanted to let you go ahead and rant and get yeah, it out of your system I think that's a good place to call well. it because yeah. I could keep going. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't you know, that, that's fine, man. You know, ultimately, yeah. we're all kind of processing what took place right now. So there's going to be a lot of people listening in this. So when this comes out, they're going to be very upset and just sad that the Rejects didn't advance. It was all in front of us to get done at home at Fort Quincy. You know, if you win, you've got a good chance of, you know, grabbing the shield and it just did not take place. We lose by eight points and we can say referee, 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 but ultimately I'll talk about this, of course, in the Outrider segment is this just, we didn't finish the opportunities that were in front of us to do what we needed to do to beat rugby New Jersey. So we most certainly could have taken it. We could have, we could have taken it regardless, yeah. uh, but Absolutely. it was a close match. And again, you know, and again, I just want to say on a positive note, very proud of the free Jacks. Very awesome. to be a fan, yeah. the, the experience this season, you know, thinking back to our first watch party yeah. uh, going down to patios to now it's been a great ride. I've been very humbled and very thankful to, to be on that ride with them. It's been really cool, man. Just, just one last thing I'll throw out there you know, I don't know how many other people have gotten to go over to the lantern suites, but I was sitting there with my daughter and my wife and we were at one of the standing bars and she was sitting at the seat in front and some people were talking and I just look over my shoulder and it's, it's Slade and Harrison and they're just talking. So I just dap them up. And I was like, at the time and the match had just started. I was like, mm-hmm. you ready to get back out there next week, Slade? Like what's good. And he's like, Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. obviously not to be, but yeah. just very friendly, really cool. And then uh, Eric Anderson, one of the owners yes, uh, wouldn't have known if we didn't go to the town hall, wouldn't have known it was him, right. but he talked to my wife and I for like 10 minutes, really classy awesome. dude. Yeah. He was a really great uh, one-on-one conversation, just talking about all things like um, not going to repeat the, any of the conversation topics. They were mm-hmm. controversial. He was awesome <laughs> to hear his insight and his opinion that he would just let it ride like that. So very, very cool. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Unfortunately, we got to switch over to the schedule here. And what's in One front of left. us is the uh, June 25th, one final game, the MLR championship at noon, which is a terrible time to have a championship <laughs> game. But, you know, nobody <laughs> asked me uh, what my opinion uh-huh. was. Um, and this is going to be on Fox. I think uh, not Fox Sports. It's going to be on Big Daddy Fox. Um, nice. So a lot of people will be able to see this game. Rugby, New Jersey. At home, although not what in, home? although not in Hoboken, apparently because their their stadium is absolute trash. So yeah, uh, they're not the, playing at the morgue. Thank the, God. The league is scrambling right now to figure out where the hell they can play this game, which is an absolute embarrassment, by the way. They have to play the mm. Seattle SeaWolves, um, who are high flying right now as well. Awesome offense from Seattle that we've seen over the past couple games, facing off against a very formidable, obviously, uh, rugby New Jersey team. Let's hear your controversial take here. So my controversial take is I will be supporting rugby New York. I hope they get it done and I hope they win. And here is why. All right. It's for, it's for a number of reasons and they're all very logical. And if you disagree with me, I don't care. Okay. So we're not you personally, but listeners, sorry, don't care. So, and we, and I'd love to talk to you about it. Hit me up, slide into the DMS and on Instagram. Bozo six actual, right? That's it. Don't don't send that to the uh, Jack's Rangers uh, (laughs) handle. Do not, because it's not us guys. It is specifically Bozo. Go ahead with your. Okay. So here's my Bozo take on this. All right. Something given has less value than something earned. Seattle have certainly earned their way into the final. They had to win two matches to do so, but they did not 
earn their way into the playoffs. And nobody can convince me otherwise. That's they've fine. done that. They've made the most of their chances. Of course, a, a player and a franchise given an opportunity to go forward is absolutely going to say yes, but they played the same season that everybody else did and they didn't earn the right to be there. And so, sorry, you got hot now and you have the, and your roster is clicking now, but it would, to me, it's too little too late. So you don't really deserve a crack at, at our championship. It makes an asterisk for New York who legitimately played their season, legitimately came in third, and then legitimately went on the road and beat the two best teams in the league on successive, or actually on three successive weekends because they beat the Free Jacks, then they beat Atlanta, then they beat the Free Jacks again, all on the road. So that's pretty impressive. So that's my first reason. And so kind of extending on, I guess, to, to a second reason, the Eastern Conference, there's, I think this is only the third season where there's been Eastern and Western conferences because the 2020 was canceled. Yes. Um, it's been two, uh, and then it's been two the last two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was no conferences before that. They just made playoffs and played, right. um, but the Eastern conference is yet to win a title. And it's been the dominant conference in my eyes um, over the past couple of seasons. And so mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, his name is Alan and uh, he coaches at uh, the Myro team Rentham. And Alan is an Englishman. And he said, listen, he goes, and he, he explained this to me very eloquently. He goes, you know, He's like, I will he's like, I'm an Englishman. I will never wear a Welsh shirt. I won't wear a Scotland shirt or a French shirt or an Ireland shirt. He goes, but if a Northern hemisphere team makes the rugby world cup final and is playing a Southern hemisphere team, or if they're just playing a Southern hemisphere team in general, I'm back the Northern hemisphere because I'm back like where I'm kind of like our people and they're, they're Eastern conference people. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason. It's just in addition to the, they actually earn their way into the playoffs and I think, you know, kind of in conclusion, it, I think it needs it for legitimacy of the league to have the Seattle Seawolves raise their third shield when they shouldn't even have been in the playoffs to me is just, it just takes away from the legitimacy of the league. So I just really think that, you know, I'm not where I'm not, I'm not ordering rugby, New Jersey gear. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, right. I'm not going to be like all over social media, like celebrating them as they win, you know, you might see right. like a one random status with like a, like a little, like golf clap or something like yay like good for you like i just for me it's more about i don't want it to go to seattle i just don't and it's unfortunate for us but new york's on the other end and yeah i know that's i know but that's how i feel about it that's who i'm supporting but that's not who i'm picking seattle's probably gonna hang 90 on them so listen three three weekends in a row in new york has been selling out if you watch the games they've been playing really hard physical rugby ed fido was hurt he was in the lineup he was supposed to be in the lineup he did not play on Mm -hmm. sunday so he's banged up who knows if he'll be in their lineup um new york is banged up their old captain nate Brakeley. hey congrats on 50 caps nate that's freaking awesome i don't know if he remembers but we played together for like a quarter of a season in new england collegiate all-stars like way back in 2008 right um if it ever makes his way to him, like, cool. I hope he remembers. Um, but like they they could be, they could be hurting pretty bad, man. They're lucky. They don't have to travel. Um, Cause if they had to go to Seattle for this one, they'd be real. I think that they'd be up against it, but I think that Seattle has too much firepower for them. Seattle will finish those chances. Um, Interesting. Kavita Lopetti is, is and uh, with uh, ISFO, they're on fire, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can do no wrong. And, and Rickard Hatting is a beast. So yeah. I just think that New York, it's one of those, it's one of those things where the, the wheels come off, man. I've said this, they, they run out of gas. They had a great run, but I think Seattle's on fire right now. 
And I think that Seattle will ultimately take it. I just don't want them to, but I think that they will. I, I am shocked. You just uh, <laughs> roped over my ass big time because I was assuming that you were going to take Seattle. And here's the thing is like, if you had picked, uh, if you had picked rugby, New Jersey to win the game, it yeah. makes sense, right? They just beat the, as you were saying three times, they've played the two best teams in the league and beat them all in a row, free Jacks, Atlanta, and then free Jacks, all of them away games. So if yeah. you had picked rugby, New Jersey, I would have been okay with it. It makes sense that you make that pick because you don't want to make picks that misfire because you want to have a, a great record overall, which makes yeah. sense because that's exactly why we do this. But the whole idea of pulling for rugby New Jersey because they're an Eastern Conference team, I just can't get behind it. Part of the reason why is obviously there are arch rivals. You don't want to see them be successful after they just beat us because it takes away, to a certain extent, what the Free Jacks have done this season because they have advanced beyond us. And there's always going to be that banter. If they win a shield before us, you better know, you better understand that they're going to be talking about it all season long next year and throwing that in our face and you know it, it just it's not going to be something that i want to see so i cannot pull for them to win the shield regardless if they came out of the east all of that stuff i don't yeah. give a damn like if we don't <laughs> if, if the free jacks don't win the shield I, it could be a western conference teams that wins it forever i don't give a shit about the <laughs> eastern conference or any of that i yeah, hate all yeah. those teams i literally hate all of them um, yeah, I mean, if you give me a reason, I'll, I'll list off every single one of the reason why I don't like the other, all the other teams in the East, specifically because we see them the most and we have to compete against them to get points and stuff like that in our side of the table. So we always want to be number one and always want to stomp on those guys. So, um, yeah. And by the way, Seattle, great fans. Like I haven't, mm. I haven't had any bad interactions whatsoever with any Seattle fans, the nicest people in the world, super passionate about their team. And we respect that for sure. So another reason why I don't know, I'm just a them. super bitter and negative guy. So I don't like the positivity <laughs> they got going on over there. There is now, a lot of positivity. It rains. It rains out there a lot, but it doesn't rain enough for Bozo on him. He wants it to rain more. I'm still picking them to win though. I think I that they're you. the form side. And so my, my, I, let me make it unequivocally clear. My pick is Seattle, yep. but for the aforementioned reasons, I think that's for the greater good. And then just quickly to address your point of, yeah, you know, I didn't think about them winning a shield before us, but at the end of yeah, the day, it's not gonna be good. if we had been knocked out by Atlanta and then Atlanta went to New York and they played the Eastern conference final and then New York goes on to win. It's mm-hmm. much different, man. They, yeah. they beat us directly head to head in yeah. the final to go to the final. Like to yeah. me, they're just going to be crapping on us all off season anyway. So whether they have the shield or not, the shield is like the cherry on top. Like, Hey, look at, and we won the ship. You probably would have won the ship if you would beat us. We, you know, whatever. But like, I, to me, they're already dancing on our grave. So you can't, I'm already it, dead, man. Keep dancing. I guess, but it's, it would be a much worse to have them have that shield before yeah. us and beat us to get it essentially to, to be the Eastern conference finalists. So yeah, I, yeah. I just, I have to pull, um, for Seattle in this game in, in terms of winning it and also emotionally want them to win over rugby New Jersey. But uh, yeah, it sucks to be you know in the place that we are, but hell, the, they didn't win the game that, that was in front of them. So th- that's where we are, unfortunately. And I'm just pissed yeah. and sad. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. But so, you know what? We love you guys. Like, thanks for the yeah, great season to all absolutely. the athletes. Yeah. I can't wait to see who returns next season. I know it's probably not going to be everybody. So if they're moving on, good luck to them. If they're sticking around, can't wait to see you next year. For sure. Um, and can't wait, maybe, you know, I don't know, we sneak into like another like free Jacks event. 
hang out, yeah. rub elbows, who knows, but Hell yeah. love all those guys. I had an amazing season. Uh, interested in seeing what my final record's going to be. I'm 50% here in the playoffs and mm-hmm. we got one more, one more coin flip to go here. So, but Seattle Seawolves, I guess I'm, I'm not rooting freely for anybody. <laughs> all I'm right. Really bummed out casual on this one. <laughs> yeah. Same here, man. Uh, bummed out neutral that we'll be watching the game and hoping that, uh, Seattle takes home the shield. All right. Well, that's going to do it for all. Literally we're done for Bozo six picks for this season. It's been an awesome ride here. Really enjoyed uh, having you on here, Bozo. And yeah, yeah, we'll uh, be in the fold set and sat. That's what you can send to the Jack's Ranger show uh, DMS. We want more Bozo and and the silly season. Just request me. I'm here. I'm available. Absolutely. Yeah. If you guys want to see Bozo in more segments in the off season and the silly season, let us know and we'll see what we can do. All All right. right, I've got one word for all the free Jacks fans out there. I know that you're hurting right now, but we've had an excellent season and I've got one word for you in three, two, one. Huzzah. Huzzah. Woo. Let's go. Huzzah Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Ranger show doing something a little different time this time around. I finally figured out or Dave mainly helped me figure out how to work this damn melon app, which uh, is our live streaming platform that I've had for what seems like a year now that we just don't use. But now we are. Uh, in one of the last episodes of the season, if you will, Dave, how the hell are you? I am doing OK. How are you, Phil? I- I'm so angry my hair fell out uh that's this uh, <laughs> yeah, you should see a on. doctor yeah <laughs> that's not supposed to happen you're right you're right yeah um so uh for the folks that were not aware at around eight o'clock we i did go live on this service as well um to buzz off all of my hair my mullet and uh, so it's rest in peace to the carolina waterfall it's no longer with me but we raised get this dave $4,150, someone coming in at the clutch there and donated $3,000 right there at the end. So uh, oh, that man. person does not want to be named. We'll leave them as a nameless uh, benefactor, but uh, in- incredible. Uh, all of that money goes to Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization, obviously, from the GoFundMe account. So super excited about that. Now, what I'm not super excited about is to talk about this New Jersey review that we have here. I wanted to first ask you, what was your experience at Fort Quincy in our, unfortunately, the last game of the season? Um, I had really, you know, a wonderful time at the fort. It was a great day. It was Father's Day that day. Um, So I spent, my cat's getting noisy. (laughs) I spent um, the whole day with my family. Um, we went to Maswatasset Hummock, which is there in Quincy, um, and was the seat of the sachemship of uh, the Massachusetts people. That's where the um, Plymouth Patuxet Agreement was negotiated. Oh wow! Uh, to Squantum, you know, very historic location there in Quincy. Because my my family know I'm a huge nerd, mm-hmm. so we started our day out there. It's really close to the stadium. That's why I mention it. Um, cool place to check out. Uh, we got lunch at the Wheelhouse Diner, and then we rolled on over to the stadium. My kids played on the playground. I went in a little bit extra, or a little bit early, rather, mm-hmm. because as I told um, uh, Wes when I saw him there, you know, I just feel nervous if I don't see the boys warm up. Right. You know, I got <laughs> if I'm not there, they might not do it right. You know, they could <laughs> right. do the this, you know, do a sprint in the wrong spot. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in, watched them warm up, and then uh, my family joined me. They had made special 
shirts with huzzah and you know oh, I saw I tattoo on the sleeves yeah it was really cute um so it was it was a really great day it was a good setting i kind of liked a sunday three o'clock kickoff i know that a yeah. lot of people probably hate it it's a little hard to plan a party around mm -hmm. um but i enjoyed it i thought as a fan going to the stadium it was a it was a really nice you know time uh to go um everything Everything was pretty good um, outside of the game. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about the game itself later. So, oh yeah, at the at the stadium, had a great time. How about you? How was? Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention: mm -hmm. stuff that you would never know, and I would bet that you know, Mags, TK, like these guys don't know. Up at the upper lot by the baseball field, we park. There's like 15, 20 kids playing touch rugby there. You know, all the, a lot of the rugby clubs um, have their pre-match festivities up in the upper lot. Mm -hmm. uh, not the upper lot where the big official, semi-official tailgate is, but the one back behind the baseball field, right? That okay. other upper lot. Um, and their kids are all just out in the field playing touch rugby. It was awesome. I took a picture. I know um, the organization will be excited about that. because It's literally the goal, right, is just to get Absolutely. you know that happening. Um, such a cool thing that that is just organic. A year ago, you would not have had 20 kids playing touch rugby in that park um, in Quincy, you know. And so it was a cool thing to see. So that was another thing I wanted to, to note. Yeah, that's awesome. I really enjoyed, um, you know, the, the pre-match festivities. For me, like, when I get there, like, I, I'm focused on getting into the, the stadium, getting to my seat, like, taking photos for social media and stuff like that, watching the warm-ups and whatnot. <clears throat> but, um, you know, we, we definitely stopped by the tailgate for a little bit and really enjoyed the uh, amazing atmosphere. There was a guy doing, like, full hibachi uh, at the game, like with the rice and the eggs and the meat and everything. He was just like cooking it up, dude. And I was like, this is incredible. And there had to be at least 50 people, you know, just hanging out, eating and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, this is exactly what we're looking for, right? Um, for yeah. the pre-match uh, tailgate type of situation. So talk to Spider, of course, uh, quite a few of us were dressed up in some way, shape or form. I went with the whole outfit and we got a photo, which is what looks awesome uh, on the Internet there. Um, yeah. And I, I also did a, um, a T-shirt swap. Um, so let me get this right. Um, Mitch Wilson's girlfriend's dad is a SWAT team for NASA, and uh, he had an amazing T-shirt. Um, that I actually put on because it was kind of chilly at the game, you know, a couple yeah. days before summer. Was but, it a you know, t-shirt or a hoodie? Uh, it was actually a t-shirt, but it was long. Oh, okay. Oh, um, okay. I yeah. saw the sleeves yeah. in the picture. I thought it was a hoodie. Really comfortable, really cool looking. So guys, check out that uh, that photo of, uh, on uh, Instagram and Facebook and all those places if you haven't checked it out. So we're both holding up like we're doing the typical jersey swap. So that was really awesome. Really enjoyed talking to him. Um, I've sent some stickers out to him. He's given me stickers, so it's been really really cool getting to know Joseph. Um, and uh, yeah, prior you know from there we just went into the stadium, got a couple uh, storm alongs of course, and uh, was really looking forward to the match. Everybody in a great mood, as you would anticipate for the uh, playoff atmosphere. A huge crowd. I think TK said three thousand five hundred people, which has to yeah. be a record for uh, the year. And boy, you know the, the Rangers and Continentals. Even though we're kind of uh, mentioning 
how flat they were in the previous home game. They really showed up and were loud as hell throughout the game. It seemed like there was a lot of cheering going on. I, you know, I had brought a um, one of the small uh, megaphones yeah. <laughs> that I used for a certain period of time, and then I let Joshua take over, and it was just a blast. Uh, good time. Everything was perfect except for the result on the field, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it was a. Uh... It was a really good day. It was incredibly loud, as you mentioned. Um, very, very noisy, um, which was good. I've, I I can't remember the crowd. I mean, I think it was it was like order of magnitude louder. You know, it's usually loud. Yes. And the atmosphere for the you know Eastern Conference Final was next level. It was so much fun. My kids, they're always into it. They were super into it. Yep. Um, it was it was really phenomenal. Uh, it was really enjoyable. I don't know if you've watched very much of the broadcast. I've watched it twice. <laughs> I've now made wow. myself watch it two more times. I can't. Um, do that. I just can't. I, it, it would break my heart to watch it. I, I yeah. barely got through the highlights, to be honest with you. And, it, and thank goodness the highlights. Well, I don't know about thank goodness, but in terms of transparency, there was not a lot of those big missed calls or wrong calls from the referee. We'll get into all that here yeah. in a minute. That was not included on the in the highlights reel there, of course, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, it will on the on the uh, broadcast. It is audible. We are loud. I know Tony Rednell, big uh, mm-hmm. Seawolves fan. He mentioned on social media. He, I saw a post of his just saying, "Wow, Quincy looks like an incredible place to go catch a rugby match." And yeah, I think is. that yeah. it's it really is. I think I think that the organization can can pat themselves on the back a little bit for creating that um, because uh, I would say that. We have the best venue and experience match day of of any team in MLR. Obviously, I haven't been to every stadium. I would love to, you know, go to all of them and, and really drill down into it. But, um, you know, in terms of the energy, the amenities with being on public transportation, all the free parking and all that, mm-hmm. um, and the actual match day events festivals beer fests was it we haven't even mentioned the beer fest that was right yeah that was successful looked like it was a little bit you know you'll learn every time right it looked like it was a little bit better organized this time yes um just in terms of people movement um so it was it was excellent it was it was a really good day and uh it's been really fun to have a full season in that venue to enjoy Absolutely. Bozo was taking advantage of the uh, the beer fest there. I saw him inside the line uh, or inside that uh, paddock area that they had. Uh, Storm Along had a huge presence. Our uh, primary sponsor was there with all of the, uh, the ciders, uh, to the best of my knowledge. I think they had many, many offerings, um, not just the unfiltered variety that you get uh, in the concessions there. So um, speaking of which, before we get into uh, the review, which is going to be the most depressing part of the show, um, I'm going to try to play... Actually, let me go ahead because you were talking about the Seawolves. Uh, I wanted to make uh, reference to this again. Rucky the Seawolf all the way in Seattle letting letting us know. Looking good, my friend. Congratulations on all the donation. Cheers, you rock. Appreciate you, Rucky. And I will let you guys know we've heard from a lot of Seawolves fans privately and publicly saying that they really wanted to visit Fort Quincy and are completely bummed out that uh, uh, Seattle has to play New Jersey. And I agree, it is a bummer. But uh, what are you going to do? Let me try to, uh, on the fly here, I'm going to try to, and this is going to go terribly wrong, I bet, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try um, to do a little something-something here. No time like the first time, Phil. Amen. That's right. Ted Black is here. I'm going to put up that here. 
Agree wholeheartedly. Absolutely love everything we got out of and brought to Fort Quincy this season. Absolutely. It's been it's been an amazing, magical year, guys. Um, it just came up a little short, unfortunately. Let me see. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it speaks – just even feeling like we came up short, making it all the way to the Eastern Conference Final just really speaks to the – uh, level of performance the team put out there this year. Uh, Absolutely, it was really something special. Thirteen and three in a regular season, and uh, you know while they f fell short, obviously the goal is to win win the whole thing, and they fell short in, in that regard. Uh, I think that there's just so much for the players to be proud of, and totally. uh, you know, like Mike Rogers said last week. It's it's while it's really fun and he nobody it's he's a competitive guy nobody wanted to win more than him I think right. um, you know he reminded us to check that expectation a little bit and to remember that what they're looking at is a is a long term plan that three years they want to see themselves competing every year you know to That's get right. to the point where uh, you know anyone anyone can win the match can go any way and this one certainly went away right so. Uh, you can't get too invested in any one single result that really um, when you, in terms of evaluating if it's working or if it's not, you want to zoom out and look Absolutely. at a bigger picture, have more data, right? And see, uh, are we competing at that level consistently? And this yeah. season we've been incredibly consistent other than no one doubt. game against Toronto that had a big, you know, big margin mm -hmm. in that one game. Every other game is incredibly close. You know, Very even close, the, the yeah. few losses you're talking about losing by just just a little Eight bit over or a four, score. Yeah. 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 Like very, very close games. Um, and so that speaks to the consistency in, uh, with which the, the team has competed. Other than that Toronto game, there was no match in which it ever felt like they were all the way out of it until the game ended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Incredible consistency all year long. That, um, that interview with Mike Rogers that he's referencing is going to be out tonight in the audible form and also video most likely in the morning. Let me try to do this commercial right now uh, that I was trying to earlier and fail, but let's, let's see if this works. Hang on for us. Oh my, my, the toys I that, that I have available now. Fancy right. lads. <laughs> Fancy, huh? Yeah. Very cool. All right. Let me go ahead and remove this uh, little quote here. Let me get back to the, the, the chat. There we go. All right, there we're going to. All right, perfect. Okay. So from here, let's get into the sad part of the show, which is the review. All right. Uh, so what I have written down here, ladies and gentlemen, is I wanted to point out that the graphic at the beginning of the highlights um, has the old Rooney logo. And if you haven't noticed, MLR social media posts still refer to Rugby New York as Rooney, which is wild. Uh, Bodine was able to rumble over and convert his own try to make it 7-0 just four minutes in. Great start for the Jacks. Bodine was responsible for the next points as well. 17 minutes in when he kicked the ball through the uprights after a New Jersey penalty, a clean forward pass that everyone at Fort Quincy saw except the referee, which by the name is uh, Anselmi. Uh, no TMO from Anselmi as well. It was one of the many bad uh, calls or no calls from the man in pink for this game. I know, Dave, you've been a referee before. Um, I've gone through the assistant referee certification process years ago. Um, what are your thoughts uh, with that first forward pass? 
Yeah, I mean it it was a forward pass. It's pretty it's pretty apparent watching the replay. Um you don't really have to be a referee to recognize it. I feel like it's like a basketball mm-hmm. style pass. His hands are up and moving forward and it's caught the the 5 meter line actually gives a really convenient visual marker and you can see that it's thrown from behind the 5 meter line and it's caught from in front of the 5 meter line. Um, Benas, I think it was Benasso, did overrun it a little bit and have to mm-hmm. reach back, which is always going to make it look even more forward than it is, right. just the same way a catcher frames a pitch to make it look like a strike, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you are and wh- how it enters your hands just changes the picture that you show the referee. Um, so that exaggerated it even more, I think. Uh, maybe Anselmi saw that and overcorrected for that. Uh, who, kn- who knows? He didn't go to the TMO. Uh, I and a bunch of other people standing in the crowd yes. doing the, the TMO signal. Everybody yeah. just doing it over and over. I heard yeah. Kenny scream, you have a DMO, <laughs> use it. Yep. Um, it was it was a tough moment, uh, but I you know, in the you just have to say, well, you don't you don't get every call, it's gonna happen and move on, you know, not really knowing how much impact it would kinda go on to mm-hmm. have. Um, and how close everything would be in the end and how much that trend uh, would be repeated. Absolutely. Yeah, speaking of trends, you know, we'll continue on here. Um, Jason Emery converted the New Jersey try that wasn't a, actually a try. So it was uh, 10 uh, to 7 with New England uh, on top at this point. Overall, you know, first 20 minutes, Dave, what did you actually think of the performance on the pitch for the first 20 uh, the team was looking really good. You know, yep. you, the only try was a obvious forward pass, so you can't really count that against the Free Jacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so just saying, okay, they they have seven, but um, they'd missed that. New York missed a point attempt, which seemed like fate. You know, that really made it feel like, ah, you know, the gods are with us today. Yep. They're missing easy penalties. This one's in the bag. Uh, felt really confident 20 minutes in. The try from Waka was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitch got taken in the. I don't remember if that happened in the first twenty minutes. Mitch got taken out in the air at one point. No call. Um, no call again. And that I don't think it would have been a card. No, uh, but he did it's get a taken out. Well, it was a penalty, <laughs> so we got a better spot. We got an yeah. offsides call on the same kick, okay. so we got a penalty thirty yards down the field where we wanted it more. Okay. Um, but. I think it would have gone a long way just to see Anselmi give Co just a caution, just say, "Hey, buddy, you know, yeah, make a sure, warning for sure. Watch yourself in the air. If this hadn't been a penalty, that would have been. Mm-hmm. You know, you you'd be getting pinged if if you hadn't been offsides or whoever was offsides. For sure. Um, but it was just you know another kind of another log on the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think the crowd was at that point a little bit salty already with yeah. with the refereeing, and so gave it. Gave it to Anselmi a little bit that they moved on. Yep. Um, a lot of boos from the crowd. A lot of boo birds yeah. uh, directed to the referee. Now, some people have said, oh, you know, th- these fans at uh, Fort Quincy, you know, they're, they're so they're so disrespectful to the opposition. We're not booing New Jersey, guys. We, we were Only when they're kicking. Booing. Right. <laughs> Only when they're kicking. Uh, booing the referee. Yeah. Uh, in these bad call situations. Yeah, I would if if we to, to address that directly since we're mm-hmm. talking about it. Yeah, I I stayed. Um, the the Free Jacks team 
formed a tunnel and and clapped off New York. The Free Jacks fans who were there all Mm -hmm. clapped off New York. I mean, I'm sure not all. I'm sure some people were too salty and walked off or whatever. But, you know, almost everybody who was there was applauding. I was clapping. You know, we... It, it, it was not animosity towards New York. No. I mean, there's enough of that anyway. Right. So I think that fans did try. It's difficult to split the difference and say, you know, there were some really frustrating things about the way the match was refereed. Mm-hmm. But also, you don't want to be a fan who's saying, you know, oh, what is our match? The referees threw it. You know, you, you don't want to be too much in the bitter barn. You know, I don't think it's a great look. And, um, you know, it, it really makes, I think it makes, if we had been booing New York in that instance, you're booing the team for the referee's performance. I think it makes the fans look really petty mm. and, and really small, you know? Yeah. So I'm, it's, I just want to note for that reason that, you know, the fans clapped off New York. They, they were the, as best we could, we were, we were good hosts and gracious, um, in defeat, you know, Nate Brakeley was around in the crowd. There was, he was getting a lot of congratulations. He's a local guy mm-hmm. uh, from Marblehead. So, I mean, there's connections between the New England area and that New York team. Yep. And, um, you know, it definitely makes me want to beat them even worse the next time we play them. It's great for the rivalry. But in terms of animosity toward, you know, the players or, or nastiness, I didn't, I didn't witness any at all. Right. And I stayed pretty as late, about as, as long as I could. It's it's definitely not animosity towards their players because I mean there was nothing really that took place that was like so egregious that we would boo their players. It's more of we're, we're booing you know if we're booing them it's booing the logo and what they represent you know sure. New York booing the laundry right Boo, booing the laundry exactly but more specifically in that moment we were booing the referee not New yeah Jersey. he got he got booed off when he yes. left he yes, got he booed by the crowd for sure he sure um, did. And that was what I heard. I'd seen some posts on social media, people saying like, oh, the crowd were booing New York, you know, after the end. And they were specifically booing Anselmi as he left, which, again, not that that's a compliment, you know, but you can, as we continue to talk, you can see why the crowd were were upset, I think. Um, But it was directed at him, not at New York in that moment. Indeed. Um, let's talk about some more of this here. Walker was able to right some of the wrongs with another successful penalty kick 27 minutes in to make it 13-7, to but the uh, Old Blacks responded with a successful penalty kick of their own, 13-10, to 31 minutes gone, and that would be the halftime score. Walker scored all of the first half points, and that's going to be a pattern as well here going forward in the rest of this game. Overall first half thoughts uh, with that score, 13-10, to 10, close one. Uh, yeah, their scrum was scary. Uh, yes. A lot of pressure from their tight five. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the biggest looming danger, I guess, in the first half. Uh, we and Conradi had a phenomenal try saving tackle right at the end of the first half. That was another one of those things that was like wind in the sails, you know, like, oh, everything's going our way. Uh, a couple things aside, you know, the first half was not horrific. You had the mm-hmm. forward pass, miss call, and then the high tackle, but we got an okay result. So that wasn't materially impactful on the team. So That's right. at that point, you know, okay, things are going pretty well. We ain't got that try saving tackle. This is a good this is a good score. You know, we we have a little bit of a buffer and uh, we can come out in that second half and really give it to them. So, uh, you know, I felt I felt happy to have the lead and was feeling yep. good about the way the team was playing. 
I think in my tweet uh, that I put out uh, every time there's a halftime involved at Fort Quincy and on the road as well, I, I mentioned the score, and I think I said um, about what I expected, close game, referee has been bad, and I don't complain about the refs. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, after the half, the Jacks continued to play playoff rugby by keeping the points ticking over from a penalty kick, 16 to 10, 46 minutes in. You know, when they decided to kick for points, I think normally I would just be like, I would cringe because that's not the type of rugby that you like to see. It's kind of boring to watch that. But in a playoff rugby knockout situation, I was applauding. The, yeah. the the three points that they continue to tick over um, and, and separate ourselves a little bit. And I really thought as the game continued on beyond the 46 minute, I thought this could have been the final score because there was a long period after this without a score. And if you recall the last time these two teams played, there was uh, no score in the second half. So I just felt like, you know, maybe both defenses would be able to nullify the offensive attempts for by both teams. And if that was the case, it was going to be happy days for us because we'd win by six. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, a gain line bursting run from Canadian Andrew Coe helped New Jersey finally get points in the second half after Milner Scudder dove over for the try. The difficult conversion was good, and that put them ahead by one point. New Jersey um, had 17, we had 16. The referee ignored the hit on Waka uh, and oddly gave a O'Gorman yellow card 73 minutes in for what I believe I picked up on the mic in the highlights. Clear out from a previous ruck. Uh, Dave, can you shed light on this since you watched the broadcast a couple times? Yeah, so O'Gorman definitely throws a cheap shot at a New York player who's getting up from a ruck. You know, it's at the end, the ruck had been stable. Uh, Andy Ellis is at the back, you know, taking a long time to play the ball, but the ref's mm-hmm. not telling him to hurry, so whatever, that's his prerogative. Um, players are, it, it had gone on long enough that New York players were actually starting to stand up and get out of the ruck, right? Like, it was a mess. It was clearly not really contestable. Um, and as one of those players got up, um, O'Gorman just drilled him, you know, and it looks like he aims kind of for between his shoulder blades, but it's also on the far side of the field from the broadcast camera. So really difficult to see what happened. Um, uh, But I believe it that the AR was telling Anselmi about it. The TMO confirmed it. Hmm. Um, You know, they were, they were chatting and it, it seems to have happened. I don't think that was made up. The problem is that that happened, and then about three phases later, New York lost the ball forward. Um, and Selmy hadn't seen it when it happened, so they didn't have penalty advantage. It was just open play. There was no advantage at that point. So they spilled the ball forward. He calls advantage to New England. Mm-hmm. We get the ball. Um, loop the ball wide. Waka gets it. Runs all the way. It seemed like all the way through our end goal from you know coast to coast. Yep. Loops out and is running up the field. And Antonio Kirikiri just hits him high and without a wrap. He's got his his arm pretty tucked, not like murder you tucked, but it's mm-hmm. not wide. You know, he's not an eagle taken off. He's he's got his hands in real tight, mm-hmm. and he just slams Waka. Waka goes down. Waka's injured. The crowd is booing. You know, everybody's baying for blood. It was. I mean, it was a nasty hit. And Waka looked hurt. There's there's seven minutes left. At that point, it's a one point game. You know, very close. Um, yep. New York is up by one point, just to be clear. New York is up by one point at that at that point in the game. So taking out our fly half when they have a one-point lead and there's eight minutes left seems 
pretty nasty. Yep. Fans watch Waka get up. He seems okay. You know, he's he's testing everything out. It's all right. The referee comes over and he cards Regan O'Gorman, <laughs> who nobody in the crowd had seen right. do anything. Was... And that's the point at which people lost their collective minds. Yep. Um, the narrative that it presents to the crowd is that like it doesn't matter what New York does. That's right. New England is going to get penalized. Um, and the Fort Quincy it turned. Job. I mean, yeah. I mean, it really it seemed like a Fort Quincy screw job. And I want to be clear. I don't think that there's any preferred team, or I don't, or that you know, and sell me through the match or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I'm talking about the narrative it creates. And this is something I'm, I, I find point, interesting yes. personally. You know, like the narrative yeah. it creates in the mind of the fan That's to right. see what they see on the field and then hear the determination from the referee about what's going to happen. And so and to take see the fly half get murdered. What happened prior, yeah. Right, yeah. And the, and and that's, you know, that's just going to make the, the crowd more prepared and primed to be hostile and explosive. That's right. Yep. So... So we were, you know, I'm, I'm screaming <laughs> along with everybody else. It was, uh, it was ugly. Yeah. Uh, people were, were really mad. And if O'Gorman earned that card, which they seemed very matter of fact about. So whether, you know, they clearly he was getting one, that's fine. And Selmy said something kind of odd about like, no, we're going back to this uh, on the broadcast. It was called bizarre and bizarre, bananas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what the broadcasters were saying about it. Anselmi's insistence that, like, nope, since this happened, we're just going to ignore the stuff that happened after. And then a couple minutes later, he said to Josh Larson, oh, yeah, the TMO checked it. Like, it's all clear. But I don't know. I, I, if maybe the TMO did check it and give it a clear, maybe he gave it a cursory look. Maybe he was busy checking the O'Gorman you know hit and so just missed the kiri kiri hit who and then gave it a quick look who knows that's all conjecture i have no idea um what happened was that we got a card it seemed inexplicable to most fans you know i had to just shrug and be like whatever clearly something i have no idea what this card is for so clearly i've missed something whether it was worth a card or not i didn't even know it happened so mm-hmm. I can't really pass judgment on whether he deserves that card, right? Yep. Um, but to just negate a nasty hit that happened, you know, right in front of fans who could see it clearly and could correctly tell that it was an illegal hit that needed to be sanctioned, mm-hmm. um, it really, it really sent the crowd to a dark place, and For it sure. made a huge difference. It's a one-point game. They then kick the ball to touch. We the Free Jacks stop their mall. They go through what was probably about fifteen phases to finally grind out that yeah. next try. Right, yeah. that's how you score a try when the other team is a man down. You know they're down a forward. Um, it, it was just incredibly impactful as a turning point in the game. They still get that penalty kick there, even if Kiri Kiri gets a yellow card. You know, you, I I could be wrong. Referees, correct me if you know that I'm wrong. I think you in an instance where like you have a missed yellow card, right? So there's no advantage, but then you go on and then a second instance of foul play. You're talking about two instances of foul play. I right. believe you card both and then you go to the original one since That's neither one right. was retaliation. They were just, they were unconnected, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I think the call would be yellow card, yellow card, and then you'd still go back, and New York would get their their kick for the for the head contact illegal clear out. But we're not a man down when we defend it. Then in the next fifteen phases, it took them to get it over. Um, so I, I don't know. That try was scored when we were a man down and should not have been. Um, the earlier try scored on what was a forward pass. Uh, between that and just seeing Waka just totally unprotected by the laws of the game. Mitch seemed unprotected by the laws of the game when he was taken out high. Mm-hmm. Um, it made for a lot of frustration as a fan. Um, not because New York sucked or anything like that. They <laughs> right. played really well. Um, you know, we'll talk about that later too, you know. Credit to them for, for what they did well, but it never leaves a good taste in your mouth when there's a lot of impactful refereeing and you lose an important match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, as you're talking about here, you know, moving down, um, what took place is, you know, Andrew Coe put the nail in the coffin, 75 minutes in conversion was good. The final score was 24, 16. Waka scored all of our points, which is incredible, um, on his part. But, uh, what it comes down to is, as you're saying, impactful refereeing, um, you know, it's difficult when you go uh, down a man when it seems like you're playing 16 to 14, the referee being the extra man. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to you know mess up what I've said previously um, to people is, that, you know, the X factor here. You know, one team needed an X factor to win this game, and it seems like the officiating was the X factor for New Jersey. Now, that doesn't – I'm not trying to discredit what they did. They came in, played physical against the Free Jacks, uh, were clinical at times. Um, and, and took advantage of the referee seeming to favor one side. Um, they did what they needed to do to win the game. Now, uh, I, it really comes down to two things in my mind. Overall, when you look back at the match, uh, as we have to do, unfortunately, um, and say that officiating was a huge factor, but also the Free Jacks not taking advantage of the opportunities to put the game away at certain points. Um, you know, we... We had uh, situations in the second half, if I recall correctly, where we were deep into their territory and we just absolutely could not score. And it didn't matter what we tried to do. The defense of New Jersey was just absolutely stout. And it reminded me of the second half of the game that we'd played against them prior where they beat us for the first time ever at Fort Quincy. Uh, any team beating us there uh, was the that game. So, you know, unfortunately we didn't do enough, but the officiating certainly didn't help. Yeah. Um, Most of the game was really tight. It was very competitive uh, in the middle 45, 50 minutes or so, really. And the the time before that, we had the edge, you know, we it was it was very competitive, um, really came down to those calls at the end of the game. Uh, So it's easy to point at the ref and, and and all those blown calls, but they did. And it felt like getting, you know, like like you said, the Boston screw job. You know, it did feel like getting rat screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't that wasn't the only reason that New York won. Their yeah. scrum was super good, like we talked about right. already. Uh, Wenglewski, Robolo, Tuilomo, their props really, really stellar. Maybe the best front row barn stable, you know, in the in the league. Um, very, very excellent there. And, and the free Jack struggled to, um, struggled to handle it. Um, at one point, Quentin newcomer, when he got subbed in, he popped 
um, he popped them up and he was driving up. He, he had, it was pretty visible from the stands, but like credit to him, you got to try, you know, right. it was, it was good. I actually stood up and yelled at the ref, you know, like you can't let Chancellor Wengluski do it all day and then call Quentin for it. Um, I heard that, <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, but we 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 attempted i don't want to take anything away from our front row players who were dealing with some some really gnarly um props that they had to try to manage um so i mean credit credit to him even just for popping them up on that one scrum that got reset sure. um it was it was heavy their their scrum was very powerful um no doubt so that was one thing that that was very good andy ellis jump started their attack very effectively from 9 um, you would never guess that he is my age, except that we have the same bald <laughs> pattern on right. our heads. That yeah, kind of yeah. marks it out. Other than that, you know, he's, uh, man, he's spry. He can still play 80 minutes of crazy rugby. It's very impressive. It is impressive. Um, Andrew Coe, one man of the match. He played very well. Yep. Uh, he earned it. He he competed, filled in for um, Fido, who was injured against Atlanta. Uh, Coe stepped in and, and really stepped up. Um, so... You know, it was it was tough. They played very well. Um, like I said, it, it definitely makes me want to beat New York more. Uh, Hell yeah! It, it's great for the rivalry. It's one to put in the old memory banks and bring up every time we're walking into Fort Quincy for a game against New York. I just wanted to quickly give a shout out. I was going to give musket size pants sent to the referee and sell me, but that's just it's just a little bit too pity. Uh, uh, <laughs> So that's a little bit too bitter. But you can uh, cross I, him out. You can put him on the graphic and cross it out, and then yeah. put a New York player. And I, I think that's the appropriate amount of salt. There you go. Uh, it's going to be Andrew Coe for me. Um, you know what's interesting is I was talking to a lot of those guys there in um, Toronto, uh, especially some of the Canadian nationals that we talked to. I talked to a lot of English guys too that uh, that live there now. But um, I, I was complimenting him then about how good he is on New York and boy, yeah. did he bite us in the rear end uh, this time <laughs> around. He's a, he's a great player. And I think the only reason he played is because Ed Fido was uh, injured, but uh, yeah. he, whoo boy, he can play. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me because literally I was going to give it to the referee, but I'm going to change my mind here. And the, maybe we'll do the little cross out thing just to be a little cheeky about it. But uh, yeah, that's my musket size pants and Andrew Coe, uh, former nice. Canadian sevens product. So all right. Um, I guess MVP is next here. Um, for me, Bodine Waka scored all the points for the Jacks in this game. Incredible season. Just came up a little bit short in the last game there, unfortunately. What about you? Yeah. Um, I'm going to do my thing where I talk about how great everybody is. All right. Um, so <laughs> the JPs first. John Poland and Jesse Peretti both had great games. Jesse ran yep. really strong lines. Really, really good. He was our best forward with ball in hand by far. Um Really, really excellent. Very high work rate, too. He was burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. um, John Poland's defense in particular was very good. He had a critical poach. He had some great, great moments where he made up for other people's missed tackles. So, you know, um, somebody would get, get by and he ran. I think twice he ran New York backs down from behind like a yep. cheetah. Just sprinted them down and then grabbed them and pulled them to a stop and held them up to give the team time to set a defense. Really impressive stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and Foster DeWitt came off the bench when Millennium Centerevi got hurt. And 
um which by the way hope mills is is good you know look like his shoulder who knows what it was but you know best wishes to him foster had to come in like 10 15 minutes in i think pretty early always challenging as a bench player to get called in that early you know it could happen but i'm always impressed when guys put in an excellent performance and he put in a really strong performance after that happened um we, I just wanted to, say to say, yeah. Sorry, I just want to say that uh, I know that Foster's dealing with some, you know, some nagging injuries too. So for him to, to, you know, hold, you know, hold his hand up and say, you know, I'm available to play is really, um, you know, brave of him to do that, and we appreciate that. Obviously, um, just you know, him for him to come in under those circumstances, and then you know, doing everything right for the rest of the entire game when he was probably thinking I'd be coming in in the second half at some point. Really appreciate the effort that he's had all year long. Yeah. And then two other guys I have to give a shout-out to are LaRue Milan and Wayne Vanderbank. They yeah. both played well. They did the stuff they always do well. They mm-hmm. did well. Wayne Vanderbank does not go down. It takes three men to He's tackle slippery, him. It's man. incredible. He's so slippery. slippery. He keeps his legs driving. He actually reminds me a lot of Hamish Watson, the way he runs mm-hmm. the ball, the Scotland flanker who's just yep. like a human pinball. Um, <laughs> yeah. They have a lot in common. Maybe we'll make a little mashup video, Hamish Watson and, and Wayne Vanderbank. For sure. Um They've been consistent all year. Uh, really, really, we've they've they've won some MVPs here and there, you know, but um, they have been a big part of the consistency of the Free Jacks, so they deserve a shout out. Um, but as you mentioned, Bodine Waka won every point that the Free Jacks had came mm-hmm. off, you know, his boot or his running. Um, he played very well you could tell you know he was doing everything he could to try to keep the free jacks in the game and get get them back ahead um really really unreal play he's my mvp i know his contract is up uh the future is not clear for him he's headed back to new zealand to play i think an npc um and then he'll play wherever he's contracted i know he wants to come back i talked to him a few fans talked to him briefly after the game and he said i want to come back you know so it's not like he's looking to sail off into the sunset he he wants to come back and win something i think that to me speaks to his faith in the coaching team the leadership team um so that was that was great to hear and he's mvp of the match mvp of our hearts boating waka yeah, I, you know, it's, it's hard to pick against Waka in the, in the circumstances of him scoring all the points for the Free Jacks in this game. And, you know, uh, obviously New York wanted to target him and, and get him out of the game. Not, I, I want to go so far as say intent to injure, but, uh, you know, uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, everything yeah. changes if Waka's off the field, right? So, yes. um, and, and it's clear because he is the, the point scorer. He's the guy that leads everything. Um, you know, we predicted him. We'll get into this more in the next episode, which is going to be off-season part two, where we talk about all of this sort of stuff, kind of putting a bow on the entire season, wrapping it all up. But uh, he's the man, you know. Uh, hope I believe he does want to come back. I know you've said that you've spoken with him. I think on Instagram yesterday he posted something that kind of alluded to that, like, we should expect him back. Who knows what's going to happen? They still have to iron everything out. But I definitely want him right. back on this team. Um, he's one of the heart and soul guys. I mean, he's a quiet dude, uh, you know, but um, he's, he's in a leadership position for a reason on the Free Jacks. We've seen that firsthand where they've given him responsibilities in that leadership role. 
Yeah. Um, don't want to get too much into the detail about that, but uh, you know, he's a big part of this organization, not just on the pitch, but off of it as well. So really hope to see him back next year. Um, and with that being said, I think we've, you know, we've talked about, you know, musket size pants and MVP of the game. There's no preview, unfortunately, although I wish there was um, for the final game, but um, you know, it's, Overall feelings of the game, I guess we can close out with that. Um, man, it stinks. It really does. You know, I've, I've gone through the stages of, of grief, I guess, uh, with, the, you know, <laughs> denial and then uh, anger and sadness. It's just a real shame, man. And, and like I said earlier in the, in the episode here, you know, uh, Rucky, our buddy Rucky, uh, was able to comment. Appreciate him uh, watching. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know the Seattle fans are bummed too. They really wanted to come to Fort Quincy and, and experience what, what I would have called the ideal final, but they get New Jersey instead. So it was all in front of the Free Jacks. I mean, this is one thing that you know, and I'm not trying to crap on what has taken take place. And the entire season has been magical, of course. But man, it was right in front of all of us, right there. It was pulled out from under us. Um, we had the opportunity yeah. to host the championship final at Fort Quincy with a chance to win the shield, and it just did not happen. So for a lot of Free Jacks fans, and by the way, you know, we talked about this last week. We wanted Atlanta more so than New Jersey to come in here because if Atlanta wins, we don't feel as bad. Uh, it, it still sucks, but it hurts a little bit more that it was New Jersey, and then a little bit more that uh, you know you can say the officiating was off. And it certainly helped the result. That's going to stick with Free Jacks fans for a long time. This is going to be a long offseason. I feel bad for all of us because we all have to yeah. live it, right? And if New Jersey uh, hoists that shield, it's going to hurt even more. So, you know, I know that uh, our boy Bozo is going to get killed in the comments for saying that he wants New Jersey to win. I don't think so, pal. Not this guy. Not this Free Jacks fan. No way. Yeah, I'm very torn. I, I, I'm really struggling. I'm thinking about going down for the final. It'll be right after the school year ends. It'll be, you know, I have the opportunity. And I don't know if I go who I would cheer for. Because if I'm going to lose, you know, my thinking is, if I'm if my team's going to lose, I want to lose to the champions. So part of me wants New York to beat Seattle by 40 points and make it clear that, you know, the the toughest team they faced in the off season was, was the free Jacks. You want to, you want to seem, you know, you want to present that narrative and at least be able to tell yourself that, right. That, that we were their real final. Um, at the same time, I like Seattle. I think it's cool. They've never lost in the postseason. They were my like original team when the league started up and Boston didn't have a team. I was like, ah, Seattle's kind of a sister city to Boston. I had a friend who was out there who I was, you know, getting to go. He had season tickets that first season. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm a, I'm a low key Seattle fan. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm torn. I just, just rooting for a good match, I guess. Um, it does stink. The season was incredible. It was so much fun. I said to TK, you know, I, I hope the guys can feel good. I really hope they can feel proud of yep. what they did. Um, it sucks for this season to end on a match where, um, it just didn't feel like, a great competition like it didn't it didn't feel like a really good competition between two teams it felt like there was um you know just just a little bit of friction some some refereeing mistakes and like i really hate i know you don't like to talk on hate on referees i really hate to talk bad about referees i get how hard it is it's really challenging um nobody 
nobody is trying to get these calls right more than the referees and the the referee coaches and they have you know officials leagues nowadays have people in charge of trying to get these calls as right as possible tracking them having referees review every mistake they make calls they miss all that stuff i know that's going on and i say it just to you know give credit to the league and to the referees as a body that i know that collectively and and specifically and Selmy was trying to ref the best game he could you know he yeah. he did ref the best game he could uh, I have no idea how he feels personally about those moments. Maybe he's like, yeah, I did nothing wrong. That was a legal pass. <laughs> Waka, you know, a clean hit on Waka. I don't, I can't speak for him. He feels how he feels. But I know, I trust his motive, I think is what I'm trying to say. His motive is to call a clean and fair game. And I don't want to call that into question. Um, but it was a, a frustrating result. And it was frustrating to see what... To us, and I think to a lot of MLR fans, seem like some glaring mistakes to have ended up being impactful on the final result. And that's that's what's grading. And that's what help makes me... That's why I say like it didn't feel like a good competition. Because it felt like those moments prevented what would have been, you know, maybe the final for either team, right? Like whoever would have won if those calls go right... We don't know, but it it would have felt like a better victory. I mean, how much more poetic does it get than the trophy literally falling apart when Andy Ellis hoists it into the air? Poetic you know, it's, justice. It's a real Humpty Dumpty sort of situation. Yeah. Like, everybody on the squad was trying to put it back together. And everybody, the Free Jacks fans, just kind of in the stands watching. Just watching. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's about right. That seems yeah, about right. It's like, can you believe this you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just wild. It, it's, it almost doesn't feel real. That's because, you know, when I left uh, the stadium, I was thinking about stuff that happened in the match, but like, it was almost like I was, I was having an out of, out of body experience. Like, did this really just happen? Yeah. You know, um, it would be one thing if New Jersey came in and just absolutely whooped our ass. And then you're just like, okay. Right. Yeah. He's like, they kicked it's, the hell out of us. Deal. What do you want me right. to do? You know, what congratulations. You right. and enjoy the final. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty wild, man. Uh, so yeah, long off season for our free jacks. Uh, we will the Jacks Ranger show will still be involved here in the off season slash silly season. We've got at least one more episode beyond this one coming out in the month of June. Uh, then we'll have you know we'll focus on interviews more. So I want to have more player interviews in the off season. I want to talk. We're definitely going to talk to Scott Matthew in the next episode. Spoiler alert there. Um, yep. Beyond that, TK. Uh, Josh Larson as well. Um, love to have Mags back on and then a bunch more players. And then from there, I'd like to switch off on to more of like the local scene, some mystic guys, get them on uh, buzz. Who's the founder of mystic, huge free Jacks fans, huge Ranger as well. Loves this show. We love him. We do. Um, so yeah, we would love to have him on at some point. So yeah. And fans let us know what you want as well. You know, for the mm -hmm. off season, these interviews, you yes, know, who in the organization would you like to see uh, on the show? What kind of questions do you want us to ask? Um, you know, we ask kind of an array of everything from the goofy stuff to uh, trying to get into some rugby, you know, chalk talk sort of things. So, dream signings. What you think? Yeah, yeah dream signings. Dream That's always fun. We definitely have to do dream signings. 
Yep. And if you recall, we had the uh, the sponsor uh, on the kit there. Find you know the dream sponsor. That was pretty fun. Um, who won that? Was that Sam Adams? Yeah, I think they beat uh, Dunkin' Donuts last year in the final. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Maybe we'll do a because that was more of a Boston based. Maybe we'll do national. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, a specific one in mind that I'd love to throw on a jersey to see how it looks, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we appreciate everybody riding along. You know, this is not the end; it's really just the beginning um, for the Free Jacks and also for the Jacks Rangers shows. So, uh, we appreciate everybody riding along with us. And I got one word for everybody to get us out of here in three, two, one, huzzah! huzzah. Woo! Did want to give a special shout out to all the people that donated to Phil's last ride. That was to benefit the Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization. I grew out a luxurious Carolina waterfall. We dyed it red and blue on the sides. We bleached it blonde, but it has to go now that the season is over. Thank you very much to everyone that donated. All of those funds will be going directly to Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization. All right, Rangers, tell us how we did. Send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com. Make sure you're continuing to interact with us on social media by liking and commenting on all of our graphics and episode posts that you see on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you haven't done so, please give us a five star review on the platform of your choice however you listen to the audio version of the show and make sure you're subscribed on youtube we do have videos that go along with all of the audio segments next week we'll be right back here with the off season part two we're going to do uh, more of a breakdown of our preseason predictions and see how those turned out in the off season things along those lines just kind of wrapping up the actual season we will have a very special guest on in that episode as well beyond that beyond the month of june i foresee the Jacks Ranger show having at least one episode per month in the off season as we get closer to the preseason for MLR 2023. Once again, I appreciate everybody riding along with us all season long. You guys are the real MVPs, the Rangers out there. Came up short this year, unfortunately, with the Free Jacks, but um, ultimately, you know, my expectations have been exceeded with them making the playoffs and, you know, having the best record in the league. So there's a lot to be proud of with this Free Jacks team. The, the squad gave it their all everybody in the staff ownership coaches have been fantastic just really looking forward to next year obviously it hurts right now as free jacks fans we're pissed and we're we're sad but um there will be greater days ahead i'm sure as we continue to ride along here at the jacks rangers show so i got one word to get us out of here huzzah Woo!